Hi, I'm James Kotecki. You're listening to the C-Space Studio Podcast. Interviews with technology, media, and marketing leaders from CES 2020. Hi, you're in the C-Space studio with me, James Kotecki. We are here at CES 2020, and we are here with Jeremy Legg, the Chief Technology Officer of WarnerMedia. Hello. Thanks for joining us here in the studio. Yeah, thanks for having me. WarnerMedia, big company, a lot going on. Can you just kind of contextualize for us the brands that we're talking about when we say WarnerMedia? WarnerMedia is is essentially HBO, uh, the former networks of Turner Broadcasting, and uh, and, uh, Warner Brothers. So what is your big message here at CES at C-Space. What are you here for? I'd say we, I'd say I really have one primary message, and you know, given that I'm the technology you know leader for the company, it's that this is as, now as much of a technology company as it is a content company. And so, whether it's what we're doing in HBO Max and the launch that we have uh, upcoming this spring for that product, or it's our traditional businesses uh, across the board, technology powers all of it, and uh, you know, we are hiring. Mm-hmm. So. Beyond the content, then, what are some of the factors that you worry about and think about when you're creating, for example, a streaming experience like HBO Max? There's obviously a lot that goes into that beyond just having good shows. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, as, you, as you look at HBO Max as a product, you're doing a number of things. One is, is you're building for scale. So, you know, we, we did 4.6, 4.7 million concurrent video streams during Game of Thrones at the end of the year. We anticipate with HBO Max we're going to have that subscriber base plus a lot more. So you're building for high-end video scale in the realms of the top 10, top 15 internet events uh, in terms of concurrent video streams in, in the world. So if, when you have that kind of scale, you need a certain type of engineer, but then you're also building consumer products. So search, recommendation, personalization, all these other types of things, which are skill sets that aren't traditionally associated with a media company, but given our push into consumer products, you're seeing a lot more of that. Now, there are other streaming services that have tackled some of these challenges before. How much are you able to kind of look at what others have done and take the good lessons from that? And how much are you actually having to pioneer something unique? I mean, we, we certainly look at, at the other streaming services out there. You know, it would be silly of us not to sort of evaluate the competition that exists out there. But at the same time, we're not trying to be them, and we're not necessarily trying to get make a consumer choose between this SVOD mm-hmm. service and that SVOD service. What we're trying to do is, is deliver an experience to consumers that stands on its own right. So the things that we do to differentiate that are, you know, A, obviously the content. And so it's everything inside of HBO that people already know. But then it's also significant collections from the Warner Brothers libraries as well as from uh, the Turner Broadcasting libraries. And so we think from a content perspective, we're pretty well differentiated. And then from a consumer experience perspective, you know, and we did you know, announce some of this at Investor Day. If you look at the way our product is going to exist inside of HBO Max, for example, it isn't an endless set of tiles that exist across the screen so that a consumer is sort of, how do I find content? Um, we're not going to have endless sets of tiles. We're going to have more curation than we are just sort of algorithmic recommendation, although we will have both. And we're trying to give the product personality uh, so that people can connect and find the content that they want through a multitude of ways, not just sort of scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And is that driven by data of what you think or what you know the audience wants? And is that and how much of that is driven by the brand? You know, when I think of HBO, I think of a premium kind of curated service. So maybe the brand is driving some of those decisions too? Uh, it's both, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, if you look at the way we're going to lay out the product, you're going to have brand hubs. So if you're a fan of HBO and all HBO content, 
you have the ability to go there and find all things HBO. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, the service is going to be more than HBO content. So as you look at genres or you look at particular uh, types of content, we'll have both curated publishing of that content as well as ways for consumers to navigate and look in those particular genres to find it. And just for clarity for everybody, you have HBO Max, which you're talking about, then there's HBO Now and HBO Go, and I believe all those are ways that somebody can watch an HBO show on the internet. What, what's, how should I understand these three different... It's a very fair question. So um, HBO Go and Now have existed for years, and the basic difference between the two of them is that HBO Go is essentially TV everywhere. So if you have a cable subscription to HBO, it gives yeah. the ability to log into HBO Go and get that content. HBO Now has been the direct-to-consumer service associated with HBO available through app stores and what have you. The content difference between the two is zero. It's the same set of content across both products. HBO Max is all of that content plus the remaining content from Warner Media. Not every single show we've ever made, but significant portions of that content will be inside of HBO Max. So HBO is uh, certainly a cornerstone of HBO Max, but it is by no means all of HBO Max. And is the plan to make HBO Max the thing and to kind of phase out those other things, or are they all three going to exist at the same they will initially. Um, you know, over time, we're looking for ways to simplify um, the um, uh, the consumer's experience and get them into HBO Max. But mm-hmm. out of the gates, we're not trying to you know eliminate those other applications. Um, let's talk about uh, credentialing, which is a, obviously a technological challenge, yeah. um, maybe an ethical challenge to an extent. I remember reading a couple of years ago that HBO wasn't as concerned when people were sharing passwords necessarily. And I'm I, and you know you don't have to divulge any secrets or anything, sure. but I'm just, I'm curious, like, I gave my password to, uh, you know, someone gives a password to a girlfriend, and then the girl, they, they break up, and then the girlfriend still has the password, so they're not even in the same household anymore necessarily using that. Do you think about that? Do you build for that? Do you, do you care about that economically, or is it just about getting everybody to watch as much as possible? We, we pay a lot of attention to that. So, we have technologies that exist on the back end where we have a pretty good idea of how much password sharing is going on as a percentage of the total service. And in general, it's a much smaller percentage than one might think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're trying to strike a balance here, which is at some level, password sharing is going to occur. We're not trying to go in and, you know, enforce every time somebody, you know, shares a password that we're going to turn off their service or threaten that consumer. That's not a very good idea. Households exist and people within that household don't necessarily all live in the house at the same time, right. kids in college, kids away, whatever it is, and so you have different types of remote access. So we track it, um, but as long as it doesn't become uh, a disproportionate you know, uh, uh, portion of the viewing on the service, mm-hmm. um, some of that may occur and is tolerable, but if it gets to go too far, then you know, we'll have to have other levels of enforcement. Uh, you talked about, we've been talking about the kind of technology in addition to having great content, but obviously those two things are married, right? And so how much as a technology company, as the CTO, are you working with creators and marketers? What's the kind of integration and interaction that you're having as you're building all this together? I mean, uh, it, there's a tremendous amount of it, particularly on the user interface and user experience side of this. Mm-hmm. The engineering pieces probably less so, although mm-hmm. there are features and capabilities that, that the marketing side or the creative side might like to see. But you know, how a brand is positioned, how a show can be created, how publishing systems work inside of the application to be able to publish differently, not just publish a, you know, a strip of a particular brand, but show keyframes of shows across a particular theme, for example. When you think about serialized content versus non-serialized content, 
consumers enter it differently. You're probably not going to watch Game of Thrones from the middle and go backwards or forwards, right? Whereas if you're watching Friends, you probably aren't necessarily going to start with season one, episode one. Mm -hmm. And so the folks that um, drive the editorial pieces of the service or the marketing of the service want tools that allow them to drive different consumer experiences. And then obviously the look and feel and all of that is is a substance of, or is a, uh, a source of ongoing debate all the time. Sure. Yeah. Um, you said at the beginning of our conversation that one of your big messages is that Warner Media is not just a content company, a technology company. Yeah. And it's one of the broader themes of CES, that every company is a technology company. So what does it mean to be the chief technology officer if technology is everything, it's pervasive in everything? I mean, the, the, the title of CEO, CTO excuse me, has changed yeah. so much. What does it actually mean to you? How do you see that title changing as everything is tech? Well, it's, it's, uh, there's a number of ways to answer that question. It's a great question. Um, the first thing is, is, if you look at it in the streaming space, you know, as an example, Historically, we have partnered with wholesalers, right? And so we've had intermediaries that have brought the products to market, whether it's through TV Everywhere or, or our cable relationships. And while we're certainly not trying to eliminate that side of the business and we'll continue to partner with them on HBO Max, as you get into direct-to-consumer, you're now responsible for the end-to-end consumer experience. Mm-hmm. So when a piece of video leaves our shores and hits the device that you're watching it on, we're now responsible for all of that food chain. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the client-side app development, whether it's the CDN, whether it's the video encoding, whether it's ad insertion, all of that, every piece of that food chain we're now accountable for. So there's a huge change as it it relates to that. Other things that really drive it are around data and Mm -hmm. the amount of instrumentation that we have in those applications, the amount of data that we can glean out of our traditional television services, and then how we leverage that data either for business purposes or consumer products purposes. And that is that has changed dramatically. And what it also means, I think, you know, now as opposed to in the past, is technology organizations within media companies have often been service organizations at the behest of brands. Now they're uh, you know, I think on more equal footing as it relates to the business itself because we're building consumer products. And while at the end of the day, we're not going to sell any consumer products without great content. You can't watch great content without the product itself. It's all integrated. Yeah. Are there ways that you're using data that might surprise people? Well, I think, look, there, there's, um, uh, we have access, obviously, to a lot of data, both through AT&T and, and our own set of products. And so we know a lot about what consumers are doing. We're trying to balance that with CCPA, GDPR, and a lot of the privacy initiatives, and we just launched a whole host of that stuff um, on January 1st, uh, uh, for example, around our products. But at the same time, consumers are asking for things where you need data. Um, You can't do personalization and recommendation without knowing something about the consumer and what they like to watch and what they don't like to watch. And I think one of the unique advantages that that we do have is that we are presently the largest video distributor um, in the country and in much of uh, other parts of the world. So we know what people watch on linear television. We know what they watch online, and then we can bring that to bear to know more holistically, not just within one product, but within a totality of viewing, what people like to watch. We want to use that data to help drive products for consumers. And people in your space, people expect, not just want, but probably expect that kind of customization to happen. So there's an understanding from the consumer, at least in your world, that this is going to go on. Yeah, and I think that the the unique challenge for us is, is that we've had access to a lot of this data historically, but we haven't used a lot of it. And so now we're in a position you know, where in some cases, uh, you know, for example, video delivery, we've been pretty good at that for a long time. 
But as it relates to leveraging data for personalization, recommendation, and things like that, that was often left to the wholesalers or the distribution partners that we have. Mm -hmm. We now have to do that ourselves. And so yeah. the types of people we're hiring and the types of technologies that we're beginning to bring to bear revolve around a lot of those things. We've got an exciting 2020 coming up, so I really appreciate you being here and sharing with us some insights. Jeremy Lake, yeah, thank CTO you. of Warner Media. thank you for being here. Thank you, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This podcast is in partnership with the iHeart Podcast Network. <laughs>